Well, I don't see dead people, but I do see the morbid brain of Hollywood Pooney on the Growing Up Rock podcast. Now, crank it up. Now, you do realize that uh, you're closer to the grave than I am. You understand that, right? Because you're old? Yeah, that doesn't really matter, though. Old people are living a lot longer these days than they did before. And the way I count it, you drank a whole lot more Jack Daniels than I did in my day. So your liver's probably about to give out as we speak. That doesn't grow back? (laughs) Liver doesn't grow back? I I don't think you can fix a cirrhosis liver, can you? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we probably got a lot of friends that have it, so we should just have somebody. And then you get like the Aussies of the world and the Keith Richards. Like these guys are going to outlive the cockroaches. Like I don't, I don't get it. That shit's pickled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So tonight's episode is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be mostly about the conversation. Of course, we'll play some kick-ass music along the way. But we got this idea and we kind of ran with it and expanded on it. And it's sort of a where would they be now type thing if they had lived, right? So what is tonight's episode about? Tell people. Yeah. So, you know, whether you believe in the 27-year club or, you know, some of these guys died too early, some kind of did it to themselves, some, you know, maybe there were some unfortunate things that happened. And we could have talked about a ton of people, but we picked a few and we're just going to kind of rewrite the story, right? So if somebody passed away at a young age, like what does their thirties or forties brings? And you know, the music scene in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties was so different that some of these guys 
died right at the beginning of a decade. And if they would have spanned the rest of that decade, their career would have taken an interesting turn. So that's the kind of stuff we're going to do today. Yeah, this should be cool. Hey, Hollywood, you ain't good at fantasy draft because right after we get done recording here tonight, I got to go into my fantasy draft and, you know, I'm going to be picking some good players. I hear that Brett Favre kid is pretty good. And also I've heard, and you can help me confirm this, but I heard that Michael Irving is pretty good as well as Emmett Smith. Is that, are those good choices or no? Yeah, those are all good choices. Uh, I am really good at fantasy drafts. Uh, I usually play in like 15 leagues, drafted in one earlier today, and got the Cowboy quarterback, the receiver, and the running back because they fell to me and I had no choice. So uh, yeah, I love fantasy sports. Dude, it sounds like you picked with your heart versus who's really going to perform for you. I don't usually do that when they're sitting there and it's like, oh, am I going to take another cowboy? And I'm like, dude, I have to. Like, they're the best player on the board, so we're going to go there. Dude, they're the cowboys. I highly doubt they're the best players on the board. Oh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> Super Bowl. They only got to play 10 games this year or something, don't they? No, they're <laughs> going to play them all. Watch. It'll happen. He thinks so, huh? Too much money at stake. Yeah. It has to. No doubt. All right, let's get into tonight's episode. But before we do that, you know we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes from a band that just released an album as of this recording. The band is called Landfall, and they hail from none other than Brazil. Holy cow, all the way from Brazil. All right, so the singer's name is Guy Oliver, a true dead ringer for the legendary Steve Perry of Journey, or at least that's what the bio says. I don't know about that. But the guy's really good. The band's sound can be described as kind of falling in between Journey and a little heavier sound like Dokken, White Line, Extreme, and I believe that to be true. Uh, I agree with that statement. That's something the record company wrote, and I just read it to you. So there you go. That's how much work I did on this Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. But I like the song. I like the band. Landform was originally started by drummer Felipe Sousa and guitarist Marcelo Gilbeck, uh, who are childhood friends. So uh, there you go. Anyway, check this out. The song is called Taxi Driver. This is a deeper cut from the record, not the single. But if you like this, you're probably going to dig most of the record because it's right along those lines. So check it out. Oh 
So that song is good. Yep. And the music does have a mix of like docking and white line into it. And the guitar player is great. That singer is good. That singer is not Steve Perry. I'm sorry. <laughs> a la Journey, maybe. Very few people are Steve Perry, by golly. That's right. That's right. The guy who's in it right now ain't Steve Perry. So, like, I would stop comparing people to Lou Graham, Steve Perry. Like, these are not guys that you should be comparing yourself to. You know what, though? These record companies, they got to. They got to give the average fan something to latch on to let's face it most fans aren't critics like us right uh they're just not gonna dig deep and i think the guy is really talented i think the guy's really good and he's absolutely listenable but is he steve perry i don't know i would rather make that determination on my own rather than have somebody make it for me you know what i mean yeah, I think when the record companies do the whole, this is what the band sounds like, yeah. just kind of leave it there. Like, don't pick out the singer to be Lou Graham. Don't pick out the guitarist to be the next Hendrix. Like, just yeah. leave it at the sound. Yeah, I agree, actually. That's a really good thought because I'm okay with somebody going, you know what, this sounds somewhere in between Journey Foreigner and, and uh, White Line, whatever. Whatever it yeah. is, I'm good with that. But when you start singling out individuals, yeah, that says a whole nother thing. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into the discussion. We kind of started with... There's a movie out there on Amazon Prime, and it's a documentary, and it's called 27 Gone Too Soon. And really, they key in on a few artists, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Brian Jones. It's interesting because all of these guys have a commonality, destructive childhoods. They're sensitive. They were somewhat vulnerable. They had the three Ds going, drink, drugs, depression. They kind of talk a little bit about the 60s being that first generation that's publicly indulging themselves, the 70s being that generation that where cocaine comes onto the scene, and that words like addiction were never really used until after the 60s and 70s were over. So if you're kind of into this, and I know it's a little bit of morbid, but it is history and it is music history, then you might want to check out the documentary. And I know you've seen it. You liked it, right? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I checked it out and I... To be honest, before this documentary, I don't think I'd ever heard of the 27 Club. So this documentary kind of shed light on that for me. And uh, it definitely opens the wound to drugs and addictions, but also mental health issues. You know, a lot of artists are great artists because they have, you know, mental issues from their past that have come back to haunt them. And it is what it is. But this 27 gone too soon, I thought was definitely interesting and worth a watch. Yeah. So what we did was we're like, okay, there's a lot of people we can talk about, right? We can talk about the Sid Vicious, Jimi Hendrix, Mark Bolin, Cobain, Bon Scott, Cliff Burton. There's a bunch of them you can talk about. But we chose five, and the first one we're going to talk about is Jim Morrison. So if you don't know anything about Jim Morrison, born on December 8, 43, died on July 3rd, 71. His father was an admiral, 
And his father didn't like beating his kids, but he felt like yelling the kids into submission was the way to parent. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> it's, it sounds like, sounds a lot like what you and I do here at the podcast when we can't quite agree on who's better, Saxon or Rush. I stand in front of you and yell obscenities and you roll your eyes at me and put earplugs in your ears. <laughs> that's right. So that's probably what Morrison was doing too. And it's interesting because father's an admiral and they're bombing Vietnam and Jim's on stage singing, you know, poetry basically. He was born in Florida, released six albums as a lead vocalist of the Doors, you know, recognizable voice, popular for erratic behavior, iconic good looks, poetry and lyrics. He died of a heroin overdose at age 27 in France. And then there's this story that like when he's four years old, Supposedly there was a car accident he witnessed in the desert of a truck being overturned and some Native Americans were lying injured on the side of the road. And he thinks like this formed some of the thoughts that he had in his life because he made repeated references to it. Now, people that were in the car with him say this thing doesn't exist. So who knows? I don't really know. They even portrayed that in the movie. And I mean, if it's, if it is true, they portrayed it in the movie, The Doors by Oliver Stone. But if it's true, if you're young enough, you could see where something like that might traumatize a child, especially if it's graphic enough, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it depends, you know, I don't really remember a lot from when I was a super duper young, but I guess it depends on um, how you grow up. Maybe, I don't know. But with Jim, he died in the early seventies. So the first question that, you know, I was kind of thinking of is what happens if he's alive for the rest of the seventies? Like the disco era probably would have been tough on him, right? I think so for sure. I just don't think that, I mean, judging from what I've read about Morrison and what I've seen about Morrison, he just really was not quote unquote, a corporate person. So I think if he survives and comes into the 70s, I can see Jim Morrison becoming either a writer or, you know, an activist or something that really just has nothing to do with music, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's definitely a possibility in the 70s, right? And then you think about like the new wave of British heavy metal and the hair metal era. Now he's turning 37, 38, 39, 40, 41. So this whole, you know, with the era, what if it had more poetry in the lyrics versus, you know, log and fireplaces? Not that that's not poetry, but, uh, you know, I think the poetic nature of how Morrison wrote lyrics kind of almost died with him because it wasn't around long enough. Like the doors only lasted like five years, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not sure he like influenced writers of the mid eighties, but if he lives through the seventies, does he end up influencing those guys? You know, I'm not even sure, like, not to jump from the 70s, but, you know, I mean, the Doors toured even more recently with a different singer. So let's say that the Doors stay together for the most part. Would they have been able to convince Jim to rejoin the band to do these tours? I think they might have been able to do that. And maybe that's what paid Jim's bills for him. I just see Jim as being an artist in the true sense of the word, meaning that I just see him being a poet, a uh, writer, 
a artist, uh, you know, maybe gets into painting or, or something like that, but, uh, he certainly would have been able to find an outlet for that, especially in the current age, you know, with, uh, the internet and everything else. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause the seventies and the eighties, the eighties especially would have been tough for him, right? Because what he's all about, really the eighties pretty much wasn't about, but what's interesting is the nineties really fit who he was, right? So he would have turned, he would have been in his early fifties because guys like Lane Staley, Eddie Vedder, Wheeland, Danzig, they've all said they've been influenced by Jim Morrison. Mm -hmm. So you could see him writing with them, maybe guest vocaling on some of the grunge records because now he's in his fifties and he's seen as an elder. So it'd been interesting to see how he survives through the late seventies and through the eighties to really come back and be a known entity possibly in the 90s because that fits more of who he is. Yeah, so here's an interesting thought. What what would have made a really good pairing for Morrison? Morrison paired with what other band or musician would have been an interesting pairing, do you think? Oh, he could have done stuff with Vetter for sure, right? Like that whole uh, Temple of the Dog thing. Mm -hmm. I can imagine him being the third singer, Yeah, right? That he comes in and sings a verse. Like that stuff... When I listen to grunge, and I love the Doors, so I don't know why I don't really like grunge because it seems like it's the Doors seem to have more peppy music, and the music in the grunge era is a little more depressing. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is because that little organ thing that was getting played behind Morrison singing seemed to keep it a little peppy. But I can imagine him doing stuff with veteran those guys for sure. I don't think he'd be doing Soundgarden stuff. Nah, but would he have been sitting in during Alice in Chains Unplugged? And he comes out and does one song with them. Like that would have been amazing. Maybe, or maybe he just writes lyrics for somebody. Maybe he doesn't sing, but he just, he writes lyrics. I think Jim ended up in a band because he needed a creative outlet for his poetry. That's obvious. But with so many people being influenced by Jim, would people have started coming to him simply for his poetry, for his lyrics? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's interesting though. And then the other thing I was thinking, which is a little weird, just I'm going to label it as a little weird, but you got iconic good looks, you got mid-20s, and really the pornographic industry is getting huge (laughs) in the 70s. Don't think that Morrison, I mean, he was a playboy. There's absolutely no doubt. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, especially if you watch 27, Morrison had basically let himself go in France and had become like, you know, an overweight Grizzly Adams, so to speak, in France. I mean, he was definitely on the reel when he passed away. So, you know, I don't know that he would have had that charm that he had in his younger years, you know, singing for the doors. Yeah, I I don't know. Right? It, it would have been interesting. He would have been Ron Jeremy, for God's sake. He would have been the hedgehog. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just thought that it was interesting just because of who he is. He doesn't really make it in the 80s, but he has a resurgence in the 90s. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I definitely uh, uh, can picture Jim in a much older situation with spectacles and just being like a... Uh, I don't know, maybe even like a college professor of literature or something, you know, who knows? Uh, I can definitely see something like that, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. All right, so let's move to Mr. John Bonham. So born March 31st, 48, died September 25th, 1980. Everybody knows this guy, born in England. Uh, his mom and dad were actually supporters of the drum habit at an early age. Uh, he was the drummer for Led Zeppelin, slew of drummers influenced Dave Grohl, Chad Smith, Dave Lombardo, Portnoy. You know, people love his speed, the power, the fast bass drumming, the distinctive sound, and the feeling groove that he brought. He died at age 32 by choking on his own vomit after a heavy day of drinking. Supposedly he did 40 shots in about 24 hours and then passed out and then somebody to help him to bed. And I was thinking, fucking lightweight. I've done 40 shots in 24 hours. I didn't die. I understand that he is an absolute horrible drunk too. Oh, was he? Oh, like mean drunk? Like mean drunk, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little rough. Now, what's interesting about Bonham is he dies 1980 September. So the new... The new wave of British heavy metal is just coming, right? So think about if he lives during that era, what is John doing between 80 and 85? Is Zeppelin still around or does Zeppelin get bowled over with this thing? No, I have to think Zeppelin is still around. I really do. At that point in time, I think the only thing that derailed Zeppelin is 
Bonham's death. So if he's still living, I think Zeppelin is still going, at least in that early part during the new wave of British heavy metal. And, you know, they're the they're not caught up in that, but they're definitely mentoring people, right? See, I have a different spin on this because Page and Plant were not getting along and Bonham dying almost gave him an excuse to split up. Because if you look at what they did after they split up, neither one did something similar, right? Page was probably the closest in doing the Coverdale Page thing and the firm thing. And it was somewhat Zeppelin, but Plant didn't do any of that. No, he, he didn't at all. What, um, because I don't know. So I'm honestly asking like, what, um, where did you hear that page and plant weren't getting along at that time? Is that common knowledge? I, I just don't yeah. know that much about it. Yeah. I saw, uh, they were doing some stuff on a documentary cause they just, Oh, breaking the band. Mm-hmm. I think breaking the band was part of it. That page and plant weren't exactly getting along because I can't imagine that they haven't had opportunities to just bring Zeppelin back then. If those two guys are in love with each other, like you could have brought it back with Jason, you could have brought it back with Portnoy. Hell, people would love to play John Bonham for 10 weeks or four months or whatever, but these guys are staying completely away from it. Yeah, and I mean, it's completely obvious that the holdout in all of this, like the reunions and everything else, the holdout is planned. Plant just doesn't want to do it. I've heard numerous situations where Jimmy Page really wanted it to happen. Uh, and I don't I don't know where uh, John Paul Jones stands in all this, but I know that Jimmy Page, after he did the Black Crows tour and spent time with those guys and they did that reunion thing for Atlantic Records or whatever, that he really wanted a full-on uh, reunion to happen with Jason playing drums, but it just didn't happen. So I think that plant is the one that's the holdout on on all of it. Yeah. What I always wonder about stuff like this is, you know, it's a tragedy that Bonham dies early in his life, right? There's no doubt about that. But did the death make him even more iconic? Why I'm saying that is, let's say he lives in the 80s and Zeppelin calls it quits in 82, 83, because they see... It changing, yes, Page is an iconic guitar player. Don't send me a bunch of hate mail, but he's not Ingve Malmsteen either, right? So he's not a keep up with the speed guy. So maybe they see stuff changing and they say, you know what? Let's just hang it up. Or we want to do different things. Maybe we'll get back to it someday. Does Bonham's name, is it big enough to go do a super group? Or is it only big because he died? I think it's big enough to do a super group, but I also think that you're 100% correct in saying that when people die they become immortalized. So people like John Bonham and Bon Scott and Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, it's not that I don't think these artists were great. I just think that they were immortalized when they passed away. That's all. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned Bonham wasn't the best drunk in the world because what if he spends 1980 to 1985 basically shunning anybody that would have helped him in the industry because he's such a bad drunk. And by the time he's ready to do a super group, everybody's like, forget it, dude. We don't want to deal with you. Because Ace couldn't get a job, remember? Yeah, either that or he's playing with everybody because everybody loves doing shots with John Bonham. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think, uh, well, let me ask you this. So let's fast forward to, you know, 2020. Uh, let's fast forward 2019 before the pandemic hit. <laughs> is John Bonham 
going out on tour and doing like a drummer's thing with his son, Jason, is Jason doing the Led Zeppelin experience? Is Jason and John doing the Led Zeppelin experience together? Yeah, that one's tough because, well, first of all, John being his 70s, so that 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 would be tough. I don't think the experience even comes to play because my guess is John doesn't allow Jason to do it, right? If he's living, he's like, you're not doing that because you're going to jack up any chance of us getting back together. You can't do that. You think? Right? So, yeah, I think so. I think you might be right about the 70s thing because I'll tell you this, John Bonham was a damn hard hitter. So by the time he's 70, this guy is going to have some health issues. And especially if he was drinking and drugging, that has worn and torn on his body. So he's still alive. He survived, but he's still, we're saying that he's still drinking and drugging because that's who John Bonham was. But by the time he's 70, man, as hard of a hitter as he is, that dude's definitely got health issues, and I don't know if he can play drums, you know, for any long period of time. Yeah, I see a major reunion, though, right? So think about it. He died when he was 32. If you fast forward to, let's say, 96, that puts him in his late 40s, right when Kiss did the reunion. If Zeppelin does a reunion there with Bonham. Bonham's gone to do some super groups. Page went to go do his thing. Plant was doing his thing. They come back together in the late nineties. They hook all of my kids into the Zeppelin train too. Cause I got kids that are 25 and under. They don't really know who Zeppelin is because although the music was played all around the house, it didn't really grab them. Right. But they know who Kiss is because Kiss came back in 96. So I don't know. You think they record a new album? I don't know, but I know they'd be all over the charts in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Every one of those albums would have came back into the top 200 for sure. They would have made so much money. It'd been ridiculous. You know, but they've got to have a lot of money thrown at them. They have to. I guarantee you that there are promoters out there throwing ridiculous amounts of money at them. Yeah. And I think it goes back to Paige and Plan aren't in love with each other, right? They probably don't need the money either. Let's put it that way. But if Bonham's still around... You got the guy that's a, come on guys, let's go do six months, right? You got that. And I don't think uh, John Paul Jones is probably not doing that. I'm guessing that John Paul Jones and John Bonham, you know, I mean, I would assume that out of everybody, I don't know how the publishing was split with Zeppelin. I don't know whether they split it four ways or not, but if they split it four ways, then none of those dudes need help. But if uh page and plant took the majority of the, uh, publishing, then maybe Bonham and, and uh, John Paul Jones need a little help. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, the Bonham one's really interesting because of when he died, right? That, that There's a lot of stories there, and three of the four guys are still living. So Let me ask you this. Do you think Bonham ends up in a hard rock band in the uh, mid to late 80s? That's why I was saying supergroup. I think he puts together his own supergroup, goes and gets a incredible singer, incredible speedy guitar player to go with that, the drumming that he's doing. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think he ends up like Mick Brown. Mick Brown has came out and said, dude, I, I can't play as well as I, I can't play as long as I used to. Yeah. Like I can't go on a four month tour anymore. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I think he, if his name is big enough, the bottom that you get isn't the Jason Bonham. The bottom you get is the John Bonham. 
Yeah, I wonder how that would have affected, like, Bonham. Do you think it would have had any effect on Bonham the band with Jason Bonham or any of that stuff? Do you think it would have, or it just would have been, that would have been the offspring doing his thing, same as same as it was? Yeah, it depends, right? Like, if, if John Bonham has hitched his wagon to a, you know, a pro singer, Yeah, right? Let's say we're making up stories, right? So... Gene Simmons goes to be an actor and Paul's looking for somebody and he ends up with Bonham. Well, he's not going to go into a band called Bonham and Bonham's not going to go into a band called Kiss. Right. Right. So they're going to end up being something. Yeah. And then the Bonham that we know today ends up being Jason Bonham's band. Yeah. Interesting. Right. So it's just, just because of the timing of this whole thing, the stories are very, very interesting. So let's take a little bit of a break and recognize the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. Thanks to all the people who have joined the group. It's a private chat. Come on over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. We discuss the podcast, get ideas for future episodes, talk about current episodes, and then just discuss any new music, concerts, movies, TVs, anything that's entertaining us these days. So come on over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. Ask to join the group. We'll approve that and get you in there. Cool. 
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Okay, so getting back to what we were talking about, let's go to a younger guy, in this mix anyway, Ray Gillen. So Ray Gillen, born in May of 59, died December 93. He was born in New York City, found his voice in high school. He was almost a member of Black Sabbath. He was almost the singer of Blue Murder until John Sykes decided to listen to the demos and sing it himself, and then forms Badlands with Jakey Lee. He died of an AIDS-related disease in New York. Now, there was all kinds of conversation about Jakey Lee knew in the early 90s that Ray had AIDS. Supposedly, their manager knew or something, and they were going to tell the record company if they got fired and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's all this weird controversy around it. But reality of the situation is the guy dies at age 34. Now, what's interesting is grunge is about to take over anyway. These guys released, they came probably to the party a little too late. They got three albums out there. One did okay, and a lot of people know. The next two, hardly anybody knows. And what happens when the grunge era comes? And could they sustain the grunge era because they were kind of the gritty rock and roll? Like, could they have taken the Black Crows kind of path through the 90s? Like, what do you think about that? I think that... Badlands would have stayed the exact course that they would have stayed. I think that they would have died off, killed by grunge. I think that they would have gone silent. Ray Gillian would have done some side projects here and there, maybe guested on some things. Hell, who knows? He might even put together some sort of quote-unquote supergroup during the grunge era. And then I think maybe later on down the road, Badlands reforms and maybe Ray Gillian decides to rejoin the band and they get most of the classic lineup back. Now, do you think he had a shot to go do another stint with Black Sabbath? Like Sabbath struggled with finding a singer. I I think it's definitely a possibility, especially if relations were kept. I mean, listen, take away everything else. Ray Gillian was a great singer. So great singers have a way of finding work. You know what I mean? Yeah, that completely makes sense. And that's why I was thinking, I wonder if they end up like Striper, right? You just keep releasing music, guesting on a few things, playing small clubs. And then by the time the resurgence happens and like Striper's doing now, you end up playing some bigger clubs, some theaters, and can Badlands just kind of make it through? I don't think so. And here's why I say that. I think that... The other component of Badlands, Jakey Lee, had a lot of personal things. There's a lot of uh, stuff in his particular life. So I think Badlands would have disbanded and died off, killed by grunge, same as they did. And I think Ray Gillen goes on to find work however he finds work, but he's a great singer. So he goes on and does whatever he does whether that's guesting on other people's things. And here's the thing is I don't know a ton about Ray Gillen personally, meaning that I don't know what he was into. I don't know a whole lot about Ray Gillen now that you, you know, mention it. Yeah. I just know the voice, right. And I'm trying to figure out like, could he have been the quiet ride singer? Could he have been the warrant singer? Could he have been the rat 
singer, right? All these guys had not great white probably, but some of those other bands, they needed a grittier singer, right? Yeah, but I have to think that due to his lineage and his upbringing and who his dad is, that would have never happened. He's not going to be the singer in Quiet Riot or Warrant or anything like that. I, I may be completely off base. I don't know, but I just don't think that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. His name is just not that big, to be honest with you, so... When I have people listen to his voice, I don't usually pimp Badlands. It's like, hey, you got to really check out Badlands. I'll say, here, take a listen to this song. And it's like, who in the hell is singing? That's usually the reaction I get. I'm like, dude, you don't know that guy. That guy's dead. But oh my God, was he a singer.
What if he becomes the singer of Deep Purple? Oh, I guess that's possible. You know, I mean, <laughs> certainly the band could tie together the uh, relationship, and I'm guaranteeing you he could probably pull off his dad's shit, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Either that or what if he goes on? Nah, his dad would never allow that. But I was going to say, what if he goes on to sing for uh, Blackmore or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, going to a guy I don't know that well, Andrew Wood. So Andrew Wood died very young, born in January of 66, died in March of 90. I uh, was born in Mississippi, known for being the lead singer of Mother Love Bone. Uh, parents seemed to be supportive of their kids learning music. Mother Love Bone, some, of, some people consider them part of the founding fathers of grunge. Uh, Wood battled all kinds of demons with drugs. He was in rehab a couple of times, but in the end, he dies at age 24 of a heroin overdose. Mm -hmm. My guess is since he died really at the beginning of the grunge era, Mother Love Bone just becomes one of the bigger bands of the movement. They're one of the big four. Yeah. So this one in particular might be one of the most interesting out of all these guys that we're talking about today, because this one in particular has a whole lot of implications, right? So if, if Andrew Wood doesn't die and Mother Love Bone sticks around, Pearl Jam doesn't happen, or at least it... It doesn't happen in the form it's in, which is, you know, what, two third, uh, two third, three thirds, three fifths of it. Three thirds. Three thirds is a hundred percent, by three, the way. Three fifths of it. God, you are terrible at math. I'm having a drink. Get off my back. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> That's why I got you here to do the math. Anyway, <laughs> look, Rain Man. Are you good with numbers? Yeah. Do you know how much 312 times 123 is? 38376. Anyway, so, you know, Pearl Jam doesn't happen. So that's one big thing. Andrew Wood never really seemed like he was grunge, right? Mother Love Bone, we played them on a previous episode because we said, you know, some of their music was really not grunge. It was kind of you know, late 80s, early 90s, hard rock. So, and he certainly didn't come across as grunge. So it would have been interesting to see what happens to Mother Love Bone and what happens to Andrew Wood in particular. And I don't, I'm like you, I don't know a ton about this dude individually. Now, what we do know is he was a principal songwriter. So he obviously had the talent. So does he end up doing like solo albums and shit? Or does, does Mother Love Bone have enough i guess they have enough congruency to keep going because they did end up being pearl jam yeah i would i mean i would think so uh you know would some of that pearl jam stuff have become mother love bone stuff to be honest i didn't even know he was the principal songwriter yeah so it's uh yeah i don't know a lot about this guy but yeah he talk about dying it's uh, there's never a good time to die don't get me wrong there but his career would have ascended unbelievably between age 24 and 34 in the era that he missed. Yeah. Right? This guy would have been huge. Hell, Mother Love Bone could have been Pearl Jam. Yeah, for sure. Right? This guy would have had money coming out of his ears. They had some songs that, to me, should have been huge hits and maybe weren't because the band died off so quick and uh, the promotion wasn't done, et cetera, et cetera. But songs like Crown of Thorns, to me, I mean... 
I think those are fucking great songs. There's some really good stuff on that record that could have been even bigger uh, had the promotion been right and the, the radio gotten involved and all that stuff. But all that went by the wayside when the band just kind of died off, you know?
Another young guy, which this will be a very interesting conversation because, again, he dies right before his talent's about to pay off big, and that's Randy Rhodes. So born December 56, died March 82. He's born in California. Mom and dad were music teachers, starts in Quiet Riot, but obviously most people know him for being Ozzy. Iconic, influential, you know, guys like Dimebag, Petrucci, Zach, Buckethead, Paul Gilbert, they're all talking about Randy Rhodes. So he spanned genres. Some of these guys ended up in, you know, death metal. Some of them ended up in weird metal. Some of them ended up in speed metal. Some of them hard rock. So he obviously touched a lot of people, died at age 25 at that plane crash that hit Ozzy's bus when they were buzzing by. There's all kinds of stories about Don Airy supposedly saw Randy fighting with the pilot because the pilot wanted to crash the plane into the bus. But instead, it ended up clipping the bus only. Who knows what's true? Airy tells a story like it is. But the interesting part about Rhodes is he dies in 82. And hair metal is about to take off. And he influenced a ton of those guys. So does he end up being in hair metal? Because he was not happy in Ozzy. That's been written. He thought Ozzy was too dark. And he didn't like being Ozzy's guitar player. He wanted to be his own guy. So does he end up going into hair metal and being one of the, you know, running a band and making his own band in the mid eighties? Does he end up taking the Blackmore route and ends up being off the grid doing classical stuff? Or does he end up being a music teacher and forget all this stuff? Does he end up back in quiet riot before they hit huge? Yeah. Cause the interesting part about hair metal for Rhodes, he's got the look and he's got the chops, right? So he can do it if he wants to. Well, so judging from what I read, I read the book by Rudy Sarzo. I think it's called Off the Rails of the Crazy Train, something like that. Rudy Sarzo's book. And Rudy and Randy were obviously very good friends, starting with Quiet Riot and then in Ozzy and beyond. Uh, and Randy is the one that got Rudy the gig in Ozzy's band. So I think that they were very good friends. According to Rudy... All of the stuff that you mentioned uh, was true about Randy, but Randy really was just engulfed in musicality, meaning that he was really loving classical and other forms of music. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that maybe Randy would have made appearances here and there in hard rock and rock and roll, but I think Randy was destined to just be a music artist. So maybe he puts out classical records or jazz fusion records. If he ends up getting into jazz or, you know, some of that kind of stuff, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think that Ozzy or that I'm sorry, Randy was cut out for doing rock and roll for the remainder of his life, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking about that, like instrumental releases, right? Grammy award type winning stuff, right? His name becomes synonymous with that kind of stuff and really gives credibility to that. He is somebody else besides just the riff guy that can solo. Yeah. Cause he could have made a living probably just making guest appearances on people's albums. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, you know, you fast forward to 87, he's 30. Right. So he ends up being kind of not an elder statesman, but an experienced guy that can help me if I, it says featuring Randy Rhodes at the end of this song. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that he would have been as 
famous or as revered if he had not passed away? I thought about that. I was thinking more in the light of if tribute doesn't come out in 87, does anybody even remember Randy Rhodes? I don't know. That's the only reason I even got basically into him at all was because of tribute. But tribute doesn't exist if he lives. Yeah. I mean, listen, he was winning awards, you know, the year, the yearly magazine awards, best guitar player, this, that, and the other. And he is phenomenal player. I personally love Randy Rhodes. I love his style, but Randy Rhodes was never an Eddie Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen was an innovator live or die. Eddie Van Halen's name is going to be, you know, legendary. It will be when he passes away. It is now and he's living. So Randy Rhodes was never that not in the current form. Now, does he go on, like I said, to do Grammy award-winning classical albums, jazz fusion albums, I don't know, maybe, uh, and maybe then he becomes legendary as a guitar player. But uh, if if Randy Rhodes doesn't die, is he really any better or not better is not the right word. Is he any more revered than, say, a George Lynch? Yeah, that part, uh, I'm not sure. I was also thinking, I don't know if he had a business mind, but does he open up? a, you know, a GIT type thing, or is he the CEO of Gibson or, you know, something that, uh, his name lends to a product that's credible because of his musical background, his teaching background, et cetera. Well, it's possible because of two things. One is I think he was one of the early guys in on the Grover Jackson, uh, front, so Grover Jackson guitars. So that's one thing. Obviously, his mom owned the music store. So does he grow that music store? Uh, and that music store becomes like a GIT type thing. Because remember, back then, GIT wasn't necessarily a big thing. Not in 82, it wasn't. It became a bigger thing, but it, I don't think it was full fledged in the early eighties like that. Do you? No, I don't think so. And, uh, yeah, it's all a credibility thing. You got to have the name and people got to revere you, but it's interesting. Just like we talked about Bonham, if he doesn't die, then is his name big enough or is he just a guy that could have had it all, but left Ozzy because he hated the music.
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about. I mean, there are certain stars when they die, they were going to be huge no matter whether they died or not. Prince, Michael Jackson, you know, people like that. Tom Petty. Those people were going to be huge regardless of whether they passed away. Some of these other guys that are musicians, like the Bonhams, like the Morrisons, you know, it's hard to say whether, you know, Cobain, that's another one, uh, whether they were going to be huge had they not passed away and become these sort of martyrs for a um, generation, so to speak. Yeah, interesting conversation. So, like I said, we could have talked about a bunch of other guys and gals, I guess. You know, Hendrix died in 70. Natural entertainer. He was a show-off. Died uh, of a sleeping pills overdose. Who knows what ends up happening with him. He's obviously, he's not going to make it to hair metal, but who knows. Uh, Janis Joplin died at, eight, at 27 in 1970 of a drug overdose. She probably wouldn't have made it through disco, you would think. Who knows? Bon Scott could have continued to be the ACDC singer, I guess. Right, died at age 33. Cliff Burton would have stayed in Metallica. He died at 24 in that bus accident. Steve Clark would have stayed in Def Leppard, and he died at 30 of alcohol poisoning. And hell, you could say Freddie Mercury would have stayed with Queen. So some of these guys, their bands are still going mm-hmm. on their second, third, or fourth singer. They would just stayed, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, when you think about it, like Hendrix and Joplin, man, literally they passed away not much more than less than a month apart. I mean, that was two huge names at that period of time that passed away within a month apart. Crazy. Yeah, and then what, a year later, Morrison? So, uh, interesting. Yeah, a year later, Morrison, and less than three years before, Brian Jones of uh, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get to this. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So, historic moment, you know, we had unfortunately a couple of KISS members that passed away, and one of them was Eric Carr. He was born in July 50, passed away on uh, November 91. I remember this one. I remember feeling bad that day. I remember going, wow, that's the like the first guy that uh, like matters from the musician standpoint to me. Right. Mercury died the same day. I wasn't really into Queen, right? But I was into Kiss. Mm-hmm. Quick history on him. You know, he had working parents. So he spent a lot of time alone as a kid. He wanted to be a cartoonist. He joins Kiss in 1980 as the Fox, dies at age 41 of heart cancer. What happens to Eric during the grunge era, right? Uh, d- does he do, like, he'll stay in Kiss, I guess. And if they decide to do the reunion with Peter, then I guess Eric goes to do a super group. I don't know. I think that's fair to say. I think definitely when Kiss goes to do the reunion, they do it with Peter because that's the draw, the original four. That's the big paycheck. So I guarantee you that. But I also can almost guarantee you that when Peter's out of the picture, there is no Eric Singer. It's uh, Eric coming back as the Fox. And which is interesting, right? Because that puts... Eric Singer back in Badlands, and if he doesn't stay in Badlands, he stays with Alice Cooper. Yeah, because he's never in Kiss at all. Yeah, definitely changes his pocketbook at least. That's for damn sure. So you're thinking right now, the Fox would be behind the drum set. 
Uh, yeah, I would definitely guarantee that. How old would he be right now? 70. He would have turned 70 a month ago. Yeah, see, he's another fucking hard hitter that might have been plagued with uh, health issues. Those guys that hit those damn drums, man, you can only do that for so long. So who's to say? 70 years old, man, that's getting up there for a drummer that hits hard like there, like that. And Eric was definitely out of the school of Bonham. Yeah, because the reunion happens anyway. I think the if Kiss is still going to write the music that they're writing and they're on the trajectory that they're on, Eric has absolutely no reason to stop Carnival happening because Carnival had good drums, so Eric would have been fine with that. Yep. And so that trajectory continues, so that means the reunion continues. Eric would have been crushed emotionally, right? There's absolutely no that you think Bruce felt bad or Eric Singer felt bad. Eric Carr, that would have been 16 years in and he gets booted. Yeah. That would have been a tough take. Yeah. Unless Paul or Gene give him millions of dollars just to sit on the sideline. But Eric, knowing that they were going to go make millions, probably wouldn't have felt good about that. Nah. It's an interesting situation for sure. But I don't think Eric would have lacked for work, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. And I think he could have done his own thing, right? We know he sings. We know he plays guitar. We know he was writing his own thing. And he would have had enough money to maybe go be a painter or a cartoonist, or maybe he gets into TV and starts doing a TV show of some sort. Who knows? Yeah. Well, don't know if you know this, but there is one song on Lick It Up where all four band members have a songwriting credit. And Eric Carr was one of those guys. That song is All Hell's Breaking Loose. And here is a version by our buddy Joey Casada's band, ZO2. Check it out. the street minding my own business now he looks me up and he looks me down and says hey man what be this and what be that and why you gotta look like that well i just looked at him i kind of laughed and said hey man i am cool i am
Yeah, I love All Hell's Breaking Loose, and this version by Zero Two is very good. But I got to tell you, man, and this is super concerning to me, but the absolute undying love that you have for Joey Casada is really <laughs> concerning me at this point in time. I mean, can the ass kissing get any deeper? I mean, how many times, listen, I had the ZO2 record and had heard of this band, but when you and Joey became friends, the absolute undaunting love and ass kissing that goes on for Joey Casada at this point in time is really super concerning to me. You obviously haven't heard us together on podcasts. We're always at each other's throats. <laughs> Joey's at each other's throats with anybody he's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joey, friend of the show. We got to have him back on the show because it's always a good conversation with Joey. That's what we like about Casada. He's always got, uh, we don't have the cool theme song that the boys over at uh, Shout It Out Loudcast got for Joey, but we, we like busting Joey's balls and he's good at giving it right back. And, uh, the good thing about Joey is that he likes to talk rock and roll in general. And it's not all just kiss. Uh, even yeah. though he would totally, uh, blow Gene Simmons. I'm positive of that. <laughs> so <laughs> to bring the conversation to a close, we'll kind of end where we started this, this documentary that's on Amazon prime. It's just very interesting because I think they do a great job of showing you these guys and gals ended up in the situation they were in and how their life ended by really what happened to them young and how their life was kind of lived out. It really didn't have a lot to do with the fame that they created. Now, guys like Cobain was almost, they almost felt guilty. He almost felt guilty that he was getting popular, but most of these other guys, they liked what the fame brought was money and et cetera. They just didn't know how to control what they were getting, right? You see this happen with the basketball players and football players, all kinds of people that get money. Sure. It's, it's very interesting. I would definitely recommend watching that documentary. It's really good. 27. I think it was gone too soon is what it's called. Yeah. It's 27 dot, dot gone too soon. And, uh, it's only an hour and 10 minutes, so it's not like you have to tie up a whole afternoon with it. So Amazon Prime, it's completely free. Go check it out. Yeah, and another one to check out, I finally saw the Amy Winehouse documentary called Amy. It yeah. was good too, and I didn't know a lot about her, and it was really good. Yeah, I need to watch that. I tried to look that up, and uh, uh, that wasn't free anywhere, so I'll have to find that one. But <laughs> I, you know, I like, I like my shit free. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, Mad Dog 5 5 tonight. So I'm cutting back. <laughs> you know what that is? That's Mad Dog 10 10 cut with water. That's what that is. <laughs> Whatever it takes. That must be why I'm not hammered yet. <laughs> well, that's a good episode, man. Yeah, that, that's a fun one. How the fuck we're able to turn a morbid conversation into a joke is unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, because we're two sickos. But uh, guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. Appreciate all the comments. And uh, we love connecting with you. So keep it up. Yeah, thank you to everybody. Appreciate you. Go out and join the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group on Facebook. Or follow us at Grown Up Rock on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, 
thanks for all the listens. Thanks for all the feedback. And we do appreciate each and every one of you guys. So until next week, take care. We'll see you later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.